My name is Preston Grace, and I'd like to welcome you to the No Walls Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the No Walls Podcast. My name is Preston, and I'm here with our student pastor here at The Brick, Taylor Otterbein. What's up, dude? How are you doing today? What is up? I am well. I am well. It is so good to have you back, man. Here you are post-wedding. How are you? I'm good, bro. We had a uh, an amazing time with the honeymoon. The wedding went really well. It was it was a fun time. And then uh, at the honeymoon, we were in Tennessee, just chilling up in the mountains, just uh, having a good time, bro, just relaxing. It was a good time. I'm excited to be back here on the podcast, though. It's been a minute. So. Let's go. <laughs> so um, one thing that's kind of interesting if you if you look at the world and the way things are today is like everything is extreme one way or the other right like we have uh the democrats and the republicans and like the ideologies are complete opposites they're extremes on both sides we have even in the church world we have like pentecostals and like baptists right like everything seems to be like people are picking a side and going extreme one way or the other and so just talking about um extremes and and being really uh really in on one side or the other do you think that there is because we've seen some weaknesses in that obviously do you think there are ever like strengths in being like extreme about things yeah i absolutely do i think i think when you are extreme or you drive with um insane passion that your way is the right way I think you can cover ground quick (laughs) and I think that there's a strength in the extreme in the sense that like it creates so much buy-in when somebody is telling you that they have all of the answers and you feel like you don't have any answers that can be really comforting and if you drive extremely then generally you're going to cover ground so much faster than most people. Like it just is what it is. It's why you'll see Fortune 500 CEO company owners, you know, be working 80, 90 hours a week. Well, they got there because they absolutely are extreme. They live at work. They're the first in, they're the last out. They never miss a call. They make every trip. And so, yeah, I think when you're extreme at anything, it, it usually indicates there's a drive in you that isn't, common right like you're you're doing something others aren't at a rate other people aren't willing to do uh and so yeah i think when people are extreme it creates buy-in it can create um like a drive to push things through where others would stop um yeah i think most world changers have some like some portions of their personality that are very extreme yeah man uh I absolutely agree with you. I think a lot of times when when people get stuff done, it is because they're extreme in in their approach to do that. Uh, So my next question you would actually be like, should we always do things in extremes? Is it always a win to be extreme in our approach to things? Yeah, so my natural inclination really has always been to try to be that guy because I am. I'm a true eight on the Enneagram to the highest degree, like – I I want to just steer the ship at all times and drive and drive and drive and drive. And it feels really good in moments. The problem is, is extremes aren't sustainable. 
And that's what winds up happening. And so while they sound fantastic, they just don't sustain themselves because at sometimes life calls for patience. Sometimes life calls for waiting. Sometimes life calls for letting some things play out. And people who have high drive and with really extreme personalities usually have a hard time doing that. <clears throat> and the issues with extremes are you just always find yourself in a ditch. <clears throat> and I think most of life is trying to figure out how to balance everything like all of life is is just this balancing act between am i putting enough time at home should i be putting more time in at work should I be putting less time at work more time at home and how much time am i spending with my kids how much time am i spending with my wife how much time am i spending and all of life is this constant teeter act of trying to balance everything right <clears throat> and i was talking with our lead pastor jared callian last week and he said something that like had me shook he's like yeah you know the issue with extremes are once you get in a ditch if you stay in that ditch too long the ditch becomes a grave and i was like shook i was like oh my gosh this is just another gandalf moment what a great phrase like (laughs) amazing because i started thinking as somebody who has a really extreme personality that has been so true in my life i can absolutely look back in the moments where i felt like i created the most pain or experienced the most pain was due to extremes. It was trying to force a black and white way of seeing the world. It was driving nonstop without asking any questions. And the issues with the extremes are when we get in them, they feel really good for a moment and sometimes a long stretch. But ultimately, those ditches become graves. And we've seen that be true, at least in my context inside the church, right? The church has had really extreme stances on things in the past that in one season was really good like but the problem happens when a new generation comes around and it's like so you have people today that have incredible experiences at certain styles of church but then the next generation comes and they don't respond to it the same way that doesn't intrigue them the way it did their grandparents and their grandparents don't understand because like that's where god met them that's how god moves and it's like What's how God moved then? What if he's doing something different now? What if God's saying something new today? What if God's speaking to this generation a different way? And the problem with extremes is there's no flexibility. When you get stuck in that ditch, you can't come out of it. It's hard to climb out of that ditch. It's easy to fall into the ditch. It's real hard to climb up out of a ditch. And the problem with the extremities of all of those things are is it gets way comfortable being in that ditch. Everything's black and white. Everything's yes or no. There's no gray. This is what we do. And it's kind of stinks because like our world loves extremes because when we don't have answers to things or we don't have solutions it's real easy to buy into somebody who's telling you they're going to give you everything right it's like the kid trying to run for school council president and it's like no homework for the rest of the year like he can't make that happen she can't make that happen but like if she can she's definitely got my vote though right and like we elect presidents and politicians and people because they're really extreme it's like they're telling us everything we want to hear half of the stuff there's not a chance in the world they can do they don't even have enough power to do that like they're like but like it, it produces almost like the sense of confidence. People are really extreme. Uh, and so the reason I think we shouldn't always be extreme is because life is too complicated and changes too often to only have an extreme stance with everything. I think most of life is just asking questions and trying to learn from the past and hoping that we can do better in the future. Um, and when we find ourselves in ditches, the only way I know to get around that is like asking questions of like, does this work? Does this work right now? Does this actually achieve the goal that I want? Uh, and once you get to extreme approaches on things, 
you know what you're going to do. And it doesn't even matter what everybody else is. One of my favorite things in the world, uh, one of the funniest things in the world to me is like, I saw someone make a post the other day about how like, oh, these people, they're just heathens. You know, like it's it's not the church's fault. It's the world's fault for not loving the church. It's like, or maybe we haven't done a very good job of making Jesus look amazing. Like it definitely could be our bad, but it's not our bad. No, it's definitely the world's fault. Like, no, that's what extremes do, though. Extremes take the blame off of me. They make it everyone else is the enemy, not myself. And so, uh, yeah, I think you want to do everything you can not to live in extremes because, you know, ditches become graves. Yeah, as uh, someone that, like, is, like you said, your personality is pretty extreme, um, how do you how do you balance that? Like, and, and another question I have for you is, if you get around people, if you're working with people who are less extreme, do you find that that helps to balance you out, or does that actually, do you just end up taking over the spot that you're working at? That's a really good question. And to be honest, I don't think I've mastered it at all. Um, I still every day I'm trying to balance it out. I, I really do have an extreme personality, right? Like when I believe in something, I believe in it with all that I am. So if I'm careful at when I say things, it'll sound like it's the only option. Uh, and that's kind of a natural default for me. So it's really difficult to balance, especially when you come leading people. It's hard to not try to give people all the answers instead of encouraging them to ask for themselves. Um, and so balancing it is kind of a daily struggle, a daily wrestle for me. Like I'm constantly trying to ask myself, like, am I trying to put something in somebody or am I trying to pull something out of them? And I think that the way God wants us to work, and I think leadership in general is true this way. So even if you take it outside of a spiritual context, I think the best leaders pull the gold out of people instead of trying to put it inside of them. Uh, and I can look back at, you know, my 10 plus years in ministry. And there was a period of time early on where I was trying to put my characteristics in people because I thought I was the best answer, right? Everyone should lead the way I lead. Everyone should love people the way I love people. Everyone should see ministry the way I see it. And so I would try to project and instill who I am into other people instead of asking who did God make them to be? How were they wired? How were they built? And, now it's having better questions to ask. Now it's looking at individuals and asking what makes that person tick and how can I pull that out of them? And so I think the way I balance it is realizing that some of my strength is the extreme, but it's basically I've tried to do it this way where I'm no longer extreme about being seen. I'm extreme about letting other people be seen. And so flipping the script on it, it's like I, what makes me me still makes me me, but I'm just going to spend all of the energy not trying to be seen, but help other people get seen. I want to let every privilege, gift, platform I'm given this side of heaven to be a launching pad for all the people that I believe in. And so the way I balance it is obviously um, I surround myself with people that we have feedback on. You know, we've talked about feedback a lot on here and how big a deal that is. It is. I have people in my life that when I'm starting to like, hey, man, you that's like four 12 hour days. You might, you might need to go take you a nap. Like you might not come in tomorrow. Like that's too much. I know how you're wired. You're going to get all cranky this week. If you don't, you know, check that, like you go get some rest. I've got people in my life that'll tell me, Hey man, no, 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 you're working too much. Like you need to chill out go home and just spend some time with the family or, um, Hey, that that's why we do feedback. Hey, that message felt like you got a little bit on a soapbox. 
So you might need to come back off that a little bit and, you know, eat your Snickers before you preach that message, right? Like, <clears throat> so having the right people in my life is essential to that balancing act because I'm not going to be able to see myself clear. You know, I'm going to think my ditch is the right ditch to be in. And if I'm doing this life by myself, I will find myself in that ditch and that ditch will become a grave because it almost has before. And I've realized the pain of the past. That's another thing that helps the balancing act is realizing I don't ever want to be there again. I don't want to ever wake up one morning and realize I've been saying to myself this whole time I was trying to help people, but really I was just trying to be seen. And that was one of the worst feelings in the world. And I'll spend the rest of my life as best I can trying to keep that from ever happening. And so now I'm extreme about helping other people be seen instead of extreme about being seen. Yeah. In that, you were talking about how uh, the way you stay balanced is you have people in your life that help you do it. And so my next question to you would be, does it seem like you're healthier whenever, or does it seem like the people who have more extreme personalities help you out the most or the people who have more passive personalities help you out the most? I think my answer is, uh, I think I want a combination of all of them as best I can. Like there are benefits in having other people who are kind of really extreme, really loud, really passionate, willing to like, you know, do the 70, 50, 80 hour a week, you know, and like those people are awesome to have because they're kind of your like get crap done people, you know, like they're just, they're down to ride. But also if you don't have anybody in your life, that's like leans a little bit more on the other side of that ditch where it's like, no, y'all need to be resting way more than you are. Y'all need to take you a break. You know what I'm saying? You don't need to work five days this week. You need to work four. I think in general, my rule in life is I want as many different perspective, as many different cultures, as many different personalities around me as possible. Because then I get a fair reflection of like what the world looks like. Like one of my favorite things about our student ministry is we have people all the way from like 48 down to 19 serving and leading students. And that's incredible to me because I have such a wide range of experience and life lessons that exist in that spot that allow us to accurately make decisions on how best to reach and love our students, how to connect with their parents. I've got leaders who are parents of kids. So it's like, you have this really big gap of age and having that many different personalities, that many different experiences, that many generations represented in the building allows me to be informed by what's the most good thing I can do today from a natural standpoint, right? Like all of those different voices matter. So when it comes to being balanced, like, <clears throat> yeah, I want as many voices as I can, but like also I'd be lying if I didn't say that people who are passive at times frustrate me because my natural inclination is if it matters, then bleed for it. But that's so unhealthy, you know, like, like it's not fair to project that on people. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying, go. like I've, I've really tried to get better every day at like not trying to instill who I am on somebody else. Uh, it's just not fair. You know, not everyone's built the same. Not everyone comes to the same solution the same way. Not everyone's going to solve problems the same way. Uh, and so having multiple different kinds of people, multiple different types of voices, multiple different stories, cultures, personality types are huge because some of them you're not going to be able to more naturally speak to. And that's a good thing because you need to learn to be able to communicate to everybody, especially if leadership is a thing you're after. Yeah. A great leader can communicate to any person, can love any person well, and can bring the best out of anybody in a room. And my hope is, is that one day before I leave this earth, it could be said that you could send me anybody and I would help them see the best parts of themselves. Uh, yeah, man, when you were talking about that, uh, you know, I was kind of thinking like 
what if I'm one of those people who I've been running this play for a long time and I'm just like, like my ditch has turned into a grave. I've been here for a while and it's not working. Uh, what's the best way for me to get out of it? I think the first thing I would do is start with questions, right? So if you have the ability to come to the conclusion today that you've been in a ditch for a while and that ditch is starting to become a grave or is a grave, then you're already at the first spot, right? So now you can assess <clears throat> this isn't working. If it's a grave, clearly it's not winning. Because then the first question you're going to want to ask yourself is, what was I trying to do, right? Like, Because the thing is, is I don't think everyone who finds themselves in a ditch got there with ill intent. I think there are a lot of really well-meaning people, and this is true for myself because I've been in the ditch. It's not like this is just other people. I have found myself in the ditch. <clears throat> I think you have good intentions. You just get along the way, and it starts getting easier just to make blanket statements instead of asking questions. <clears throat> so if you're in the ditch, then I think the question you come back to is, what was I trying to do? So if you're in a business model and you find yourself running plays that aren't working anymore and the business isn't growing, okay, what was the goal the whole time? What was the question uh, what, what was the point behind the business? Why did I get into this thing? If you're inside a church, same thing, right? Ministry's not growing. People aren't showing up. Uh, da da da. <clears throat> well, what were we trying to do from the jump? What was the whole point of this thing? And when you figure that answer out, you start looking at: Does what I do right now help that end happen? Right? Is the decisions I'm making, the way I'm processing, the way we're building this thing, is it helping to achieve that goal, or am I doing this just because it was special once upon a time? And that's a really difficult question to wrestle with, and it's not easy. And that's why we get in ditches, because it's hard to let go of something that was really meaningful. But sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes you've got to be able to go from one spot to the next. You know, if we would have been sold out to, uh, you know, our TVs being put into wood canisters that made our TVs look like furnitures, then we would have never had, you know, the beautiful 4k televisions exist today like you know you at some point have to be okay with letting go of the past and stepping into the new and the new is just scary and that's i think oftentimes why we wind up in ditches is because new is unknown and unknown is terrifying because i don't know if that's going to work this has worked before but what it seems like might need to be done now is something i don't know and that's really scary to step into um <clears throat> and so then for me if I'm in the ditch, if I'm in the grave, I'm trying to figure out, all right, what was I trying to do? And I start trying to compare, does the things I'm doing right now actually make that happen, right? Is it, Are they producing the, ended, the intended outcome? And then the next thing is, who's good at the thing I love? And start asking questions from there, right? So let's say our student ministry stops reaching people. We feel like we've plateaued. We feel like we're not getting students to come and feel like they can connect, that they can belong before they believe, and our ministry isn't doing the thing we want. Well, the first thing I'm trying to figure out is who's doing it better. And then I'm hitting them up. I'm going to try to get coffee with them and try to take their youth pastor to lunch. I'm going to go ask all the questions I can and try to figure out what are you doing that I'm not? Like, because that's what I want to do. I want to know what that is. And the only way I know how to stay out of ditch is always be teachable, right? Be comfortable with the uncomfortable, you know? And if you can do that, then I think you can stay in the middle. And then I heard someone say a long time ago, it's one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned. Uh, and it's from uh, T.D. Jakes. He said, T.D. Jakes runs, like, a ridiculous amount of things. Uh, he's got, like, a TV company, runs a church. He's got all these different things that he does. And someone asked him, like, dude, how do you balance all that? Because what we're talking about, this whole conversation is about balance, right? How do we stay out of ditch? So we stay in the middle of the road. He said, I've just made my mind up. I'll never lose the same thing two days in a row. And I was like, oh, that's so freeing. So, like, if I feel like I didn't give as much as I could to the church or I didn't give as much to the church as I should today, then I'm just going to make sure I don't lose tomorrow. 
if I feel like my family needed more of me today and they didn't get me, I'm just going to make sure tomorrow they get more of me. And I think if you can spend your life trying to not take the same loss over and over, it'll help prevent from that ditch, right? You don't get comfortable in just trying to make it happen. You can stay asking questions. Um, so it's not as clear an answer as I would have liked to give, but it's what I got. Yeah, I no, I thought it was a good answer, man. Uh, it's kind of more of like a practical, like specific question. But so, you know, you run the student ministry here and it's called Switch. And it's really dope. If you have kids in the Muskogee area or anywhere around here, like just bring them here. It's a good time. I promise they'll love it. Um, but so with you saying like you have to be comfortable with change and and like you do to not get into a ditch. What's it like for you to think that like 20 years from now, switch might be unrecognizable compared to where it is now? Like in order to keep growing, it's going to have to change a lot. Is that a hurdle that you've had to jump over or like and like if it is, if you've already done it, like how did how did you get into that mindset? <clears throat> yeah, it is crazy to me think and I actually don't think it's 20 years, I think it's 10 years. Yeah. <clears throat> I actually feel like the time is speeding up, not slowing down. So <clears throat> like there are ministries that we look to just six years ago that I'm not looking to anymore. And I'm like, that's like, and it's just, all it took was six years for things to happen. Um, And I learned the lesson kind of early on. And it was like, so when I got here, our lead pastor was really passionate about me doing small groups. And I was like, I'm, I think I'm good. I've tried those once upon a time. They didn't work. And I had a very specific way I thought ministry should look and the way ministry should run. I was like, if I'm going to be a student pastor, we ain't doing all these small group things. That's silly. Now I'm going to get up there and preach. We'll have an amazing worship set. We'll have some games, da, da, da. I had a very specific way, like in culture I wanted to create. And Jared's like, how about you just go see it somewhere else? And I was like, okay, yeah. So then I went up and I checked out a church in Tulsa, went to their student ministry, and it was nuts, bro. It was nuts. I'd never seen anything like it. Like, they had two different Wednesday night experiences because of how many students they had. Like, they had to. I was shook. 700 kids, bro. That's like winter jam. Like, that's like a concert. That doesn't make any sense. It's crazy to me. <clears throat> and I wound up getting to talk to the student pastor, and I asked him, like, dude, how did this happen? He's like, small groups. And I was shook. I was like, there's no bull crap. There's no way. That's real. And then what I got to do is I got to have a conversation with someone, and it was one of their tribe leaders, and they told me, they just got back from uh, the graduation of some of her students. You know, they graduated at college. And I was like, y'all been doing small groups that long? She's like, yeah. And she's like, they flew me out because they didn't want to graduate without me. And I was like blown away. Yeah. I was like, that's incredible. And she's so now I'm back in middle school and I'm doing it all over again. And I was like, I was so, it so profoundly affected me that like these students had built such a deep relationship with their leader, not the student pastor, just another leader, to the point that when they graduated college, they wanted to fly her out there so she could be there. It blew my mind, and, I, and it shook me to my core because here I am in a ditch, put the very specific way that I think the church had to look and be, and here somebody else was doing something 12 times greater than I could have ever even imagined. They were running a play I wasn't running, and I was faced with that moment. Well, do I do the uncomfortable or do I do what's comfortable? And small groups were very uncomfortable for me because I didn't know how to do them and how to work. We had to learn a lot in the process. But here we are today. Student ministry is crushing in every way I could measure. I love our church. I love our students. I love our student ministry. And I'm so thankful I get to be a part of it. But I'm also thankful for a lead pastor 
who forced me to go ask some questions to go look. And now on the back side of it, I realize like that's probably going to happen again. There's probably going to come a moment where the thing we need to do next is going to be uncomfortable to me because I don't understand it. But now I've got to live through it before. Now I remember what it was like the first time where I had a very clear way I thought ministry should be. We made one shift and then the youth ministry exploded. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. And so hopefully the next time I'm faced with that, I'll be able to remember that moment and step into the uncomfort because it was absolutely worth it. And hopefully I'll have the right voices in my life still that'll speak to me to encourage me to take the step I need. And so, yeah, I, I do think about it often. I'll, I think about it all the time. I'm like, when am I not the guy to be on stage anymore? You know, when, when is it time to hand off the communicating side of the, the experience? Like all of those things are always on my mind. And I always want to be able to be flexible for that. I always want to be comfortable with the uncomfortable because I remember what it felt like to be in the ditch and how suffocating it is to watch other people grow and be frustrated because the thing you used to do that work doesn't work anymore. I don't ever want to get back to that place. I never want to get back to a place to where it's everyone else's fault that I'm not growing. Now on this side, it's like, okay, what can I tweak? What can I change? So now I live for it. Now when new students come to church, the first thing we ask them is, hey, what'd you hate? Because yeah. <laughs> I want to know what made this thing not fun for you. Because if this isn't a great experience, we want to change anything we can. And I live for those moments now, and mostly because I felt the sting of being in the ditch before. And so when Jared said, if you stay in a ditch too long, it becomes a grave. I immediately remember those moments in my life. I remember those feelings. And I remember people who I've loved and cared for throughout life who seem to be still stuck in those ditches and they're becoming graves. And it's heartbreaking to watch God have so much potential in an individual or in a group of people. And because of their lack of ability to step into the uncomfortable, it's like potential's being wasted. Yeah. It's still there. The gold is still there. There's still so much good you're just so rigid and so stuck in one ditch, one way of doing things that you can't adapt. And it's heartbreaking to see potential and gift sets and skills and talents be wasted mm -hmm. because we'd rather be comfortable than uncomfortable. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. Um, my next question to you is, does belief mean that I'm in a ditch? So if I believe something, am I already in a ditch? Yeah, so I, I, I love the question because if we're not careful, that's what it sounds like we're saying, right? That if you put your foot in the sand anywhere, if you stake your flag anywhere, then you're in a ditch, right? Like any, the second you decide this is the way I'm going, now am I in a ditch? Um, and the answer is no, I don't think so. I think the caveat to not being in a ditch is are you always open to a new idea, <clears throat> right? So yeah, no, I have opinions. We're doing ministry a very specific way because I believe in it, right? We're not we're not showing up to Wednesday nights just flippantly doing things. <clears throat> we're doing things with intentionality, I hope, you know, I believe, <clears throat> because I think it works. I think it's the best way we've been built to love students well. Um, but what makes it not a ditch, in my opinion, because at the moment, I believe if a new, better idea came, I would adapt in a heartbeat. Like, if there was a new way to reach students, create a space that they could belong before they believe, create a space that they could meet leaders that love them, they could come to a church that feels like home, and they could see that Jesus is everything he said he is. Like, if there's another option that exists on the table, if someone comes down the line tomorrow, today, where they're doing something I've never seen before, and they're getting students to come and connect in a way I've never seen students connect before, I would burn everything we're doing to a ground and shift to that so fast. Because for me, all I'm ever trying to do is reach students. And so 
the way your opinion or your belief or the place that you're sticking your flag in doesn't become a ditch is will you shift if a better way comes? Because a better way will come. It always does. There's always something that can be improved. There's always a new concept. There's always a new idea. There's always an innovation that can be brought. Like you see it all the time in the world, especially with technology on the rise. Like there's always a new way to do things. And I love that. That's what makes following God amazing to me is there's always a new aspect to what's going to take place or what's going on. And so if you're someone who's really passionate or, you know, has more of a bend, like maybe you're an eight on an Enneagram and you're like me, man, I don't want to be in a ditch. No, no, no. The way you don't get in a ditch is always be open to change and always be asking questions. And if someone comes down the line someday and it seems like they're doing something better than you are that you want to be good at, then make the shift. And hopefully... I will always be able to do that. And it's obviously hopeful because I haven't seen the future. And there's a ton of people who, when they were 28, would have said, I'm never going to be that guy. And then they're the grumpy old man who can't, you know, shift anything. Um, so I hope to God I'll never get there. But I can confidently say right now that if I turned on my phone and saw someone reaching kids and connecting kids in a way I've never seen before, I would switch everything we're doing. Because ultimately for me, the goal is not, that ministry always looks the way it looks right now, but that students are always finding leaders that love them, a place that feels like home, and a really, really good Jesus gets to show that he's everything he said he is. And if we can consistently do that, however that has to look, doesn't even matter to me. Yeah, man, uh, I've really enjoyed this episode with you. I appreciate you talking with me today. And uh, is there anything else you want to say before we close this thing out? Uh, we love you. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we have had some pretty cool milestones reached over the last few weeks inside of our podcast so from the bottom of my heart we want to say thank you so much for being consistent checking the podcast out like always share comment subscribe uh like all of the things uh we're excited to get to do it so as long as you guys keep listening we'll keep putting it out yeah for sure love you bro appreciate you love you